Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and €1,000 cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Welcome to another podcast by InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC Sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Welcome to the Inside Carolina podcast. John Siegley here with Mike Ingersoll and EJ Wilson. Going to be doing a little bit of a different type of podcast today, guys. We got inspired by Greg Barnes doing a behind-the-scenes look at how Inside Carolina covers a lot of sporting events. Um, Greg really kind of laid it out there for people. So we figured, hey, if the listeners like hearing behind the scenes, we've got two former players that, you know, are fortunately on the IC staff here. Let's do a behind the scenes on how a football recruitment goes. Uh, just a little bit of a, you know, kind of prelude to that. The names have been changed to protect the innocent. So <laughs> um, <laughs> we'll, we'll try to keep this, you know, as a, uh, as within the, the guidelines as we can. But uh, first off, man, Mike, EJ, thanks a lot for being on here with me, guys. Of course. Thanks for having us on. All right. Let's just kick this thing off. And, you know, whoever wants to to speak up first can can start it. At what point in the high school career did either one of you guys really start to see that interest from college programs? Let's go all the way back to when it first began. EJ, you want to take that one? Yeah, since it was so long ago. Um, for me, <laughs> it, it honestly, it started off uh, – well, serious recruiting probably started off my freshman year. Um, UVA uh, was the first school to start recruiting me, but I also had an inside track to that because uh, Brian Stith, who's in the UVA Basketball Hall of Fame, also went to UVA. So he kind of had – he kind of put in a word for me. So um, it was way back in – geez, when was that uh, – about 2001 when uh, the process really started uh, heating up for me. And up until then, I was like, man, I mean, I didn't think of myself as really a Division One caliber player, but I think that that first recruiting, that first letter, and that first offer you get, like your confidence automatically goes up, which is why I think when you see a lot of kids get that first offer, you notice that more offers start rolling in because not only does it elevate their play, it lets other schools know that, hey, we got an eye on this kid. It's maybe something more you should be taking a look at. So. For for me, it was it was definitely back my freshman year with UVA. All right, Mike, let's hear your story, man. At what point did the schools really start coming after you? Well, I wasn't uh, near the athlete that Earl uh, Earl Wilson was. Um, I was I was an okay athlete, but I was a late bloomer. I mean, when I was a, when EJ was getting offers from University of Virginia and ACC and SEC schools as freshman year of high school, I was six foot two, one hundred and fifty three pounds, and I looked like Eddie Munster. Um, <laughs> nobody, nobody wanted me to play football for them, let alone, you know, I mean, my high school coaches base barely wanted me to play football for them. So, uh, my recruiting experience started around my junior year of high school. That was the first time. Well, I shouldn't say that summer, uh, of my sophomore year going into my junior year, my, my coach, Mike Newsom, who's now the head coach at, uh, AL Brown high school, uh, Newsom used to take us up to the Michigan camp every summer and. Uh, we went up there because we had some coaches on the staff that had ties to the Bo Schembechler, Michigan. And at the time, we we had Jamar Adams, who was their starting safety. 
Um, Jamar Adams was on the was on the roster up at Michigan, and he was a Butler alum. So, you know, we had that Michigan connection. Would go up there, and it was one of the biggest skills camps, but also recruiting camps. And this was before the days of um, one. You know, every school having a, a one day or a junior day. Um, it was before the days of your rivals camps and your VTO camps and things like that. Uh, so you kind of needed these skills camps that were a couple of days long to to showcase your skills if you were a younger a younger player. And I went up there because I thought it was cool. I'd love to see Michigan. I'd never really been out of the state of North Carolina. So I went up there and apparently uh, after that, I went up there as a tight end. Um, as we were leaving, my coach let me know that Michigan was interested uh, in recruiting me, but he, uh, there was circumstances around the offer at that time. Uh, Michigan continued to recruit me through, through my, uh, recruitment through my senior year, but that was kind of the first time that it, uh, that it became apparent to me that I might have a shot at playing college football. And then my, my first official offer was, uh, Eastern Kentucky, my, uh, at the end of my junior year. And after Eastern Kentucky came Akron of Ohio and then Vanderbilt and UVA, and I remember the, I mean, I remember the process vividly, but that's, that's how it started was, was it's, it all kind of started with the Michigan football camp, uh, back in the summer of, this would have been 2000, man, I guess 2004. Yeah. Summer of 2000, 2003, summer of 2003 is when it all started for me. All right. So you mentioned Mike, you know, Eastern Kentucky, which I think they are still, FBS at this point, or, you know, that would have been division one back in the day. EJ, what about for you? Did you ever get any offers from like kind of the the different levels and how did you guys, or did you guys kind of set up a tier where it's like, okay, I get an offer from like Mike in Michigan. Would that hold more weight than say if a school like app state or ECU were to extend an offer? Yeah, I definitely think it holds a little bit more weight because, I mean, as a as a high school kid, you're not really looking at programs. You're really thinking about name basis. So for me, I kind of got offered from different places based on position. So I, I didn't necessarily separate them by if they were FBS or, or whatever. I separated them really by what position they wanted me to play. So, for example, Carolina wanted me to come in and play linebacker. UVA wanted me to play linebacker. Towson uh, actually offered me uh, as a quarterback and then uh, Virginia Tech wanted me to come in and play tight end. So I kind of separated them really by what position they wanted me to play. Um, and then I, I had some other interesting situations. Like I had a couple of schools that actually wanted me to come in and try to get an academic scholarship to play. But I, I kind of felt like that would have probably been try to, too much to definitely try to hold up. I mean, it was hard enough at, at Carolina. And we all know the struggles of, <laughs> some, of some of my teammates with that whole situation. But, um, yeah, what are you I talking guess. About, EJ? We, didn't, we didn't have to go to class. What do you mean? <laughs> Nobody What's made class? us go to class. What is class? But, is, but no, seriously, is, yeah. So, school? um, <laughs> schools for fools. No, no, joking, joking. <laughs> so, um, yeah, that's really how I separated. And, I mean, I was just happy to get every offer I could because, I mean, when you go into these camps and you're meeting other guys and peers, guys you're either going to be teammates with or you're going to be playing against, you always want to kind of boast and say how many offers you got. I mean, nobody really – got specific and kind of real named them off nickname by name but the more offers you got the better so i would i was honored and and honestly appreciative of every offer i got but i mean to be honest there were only a few that i took really seriously yeah i'm in the same boat as ej i mean not not so much position it was either i was going to be a tight end or an offensive lineman and no one really knew 
how that was going to go. I think the thought was that I would eventually transition to the O-line, but yeah, there, there were some schools that were dead set on me playing tight ends, South Carolina, Illinois, um, come to mind. And, you know, other schools like Carolina, we didn't really know, uh, you know, what, 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 what was I going to be when I got, you know, to the division one level. So the way that I separated recruiting, I didn't follow college football growing up the first college football. And this is actually the irony of my college football career, I guess. Um, the first college football game that I ever watched and the only one that I watched until probably my junior year of college or junior year of high school, when I started getting recruited, um, re- recruited heavily, I guess the first college football game I ever watched was the BCS national championship game between the university of Miami and Ohio state when Miami got robbed of a national championship. And I remember I was over at my friend Ronnie Canucci's house and we were watching the national championship. I had just, it was, I was in the eighth grade and they kept talking about this guy, Butch Davis, Butch Davis, Butch Davis. This is, you know, Larry Coker's the coach, but this is Butch Davis's team and all this. And apparently they, the year before, which I had no, I didn't, you know, I didn't know. Apparently the year before, uh, according to the announcers, they'd gotten burned and passed over for Florida State, who played in the national championship game, even though they beat Florida State and they had the same record. Um, FSU went, Miami didn't. So I remember those conversations and I remember the name Butch Davis. Um, and I was, you know, from that point forward, I was a, 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 a Miami fan. I didn't really, you know, I, I put fan in quotes because they were the only team I really knew existed. I didn't follow college football again. So, you know, I, I've told this story to people before they've heard it. Uh, when I was flipping through the channel guide in the fall of 2004, and I saw Miami versus North Carolina on my channel guide on the television, this is back when you had the scrolling TV guide channel, which was a revolution in and of itself. I clicked on that and I thought this, it's not basketball season. And I saw that Carolina was playing Miami in football. And I didn't even know Carolina had a football team. Um, and I was, and when I saw it was Miami playing, I was pulling for Miami. And that was obviously the infamous Connor Barth game winner. They beat Miami and I was pissed. I threw my, I threw my remote at the television because Miami was the only college football team that I knew. And I was mad that Carolina won. I had no idea that a year later I'd be signing my letter of intent to go to Carolina, a school that I just realized had a football team. I was thinking grades. So my recruitment was academics, academics, academics. So my final three schools were Vanderbilt, Virginia, and UNC. And I had offers, you know, I mentioned Illinois earlier. I was at the time getting recruited by Michigan. I was getting recruited by some schools a little further out West. Um, But I didn't really know that uh, football really existed West of Tennessee. I didn't really know of any schools out there. I I knew uh, USC, Southern California, Um, I knew Ohio state because of Michigan, but you know, outside of that, I didn't know Texas or any of that. I didn't understand the recruiting hotbeds. I didn't, I didn't get any of that. So my final three criteria in choosing a school were they had to have great academics first and foremost, they had to have Nike uniforms and they had to have names on the backs of their jerseys. That's how I narrowed down my list. And based on that criteria, Vanderbilt was off because Vanderbilt didn't have names on the backs of their jerseys. Virginia was too stuffy. When I went up to Charlottesville, it was like the University of Virginia and their noses were up in the air and I couldn't stand it. So process of elimination, I decided I'm, I'm probably going to go to Carolina. And then I took my official visit. I was here for 15 minutes on campus and I knew this is where I wanted to go to school. My mind was made up. I ended up canceling all my other official visits and I was a Tar Heel from that, that point forward. So that's how my recruiting went. And like EJ said, I was appreciative of all the offers I had. I remember going to our Friday morning meetings and Coach Newsom would hand out mail and I would have a, you know, a, a 
a fairly decent stack of mail from different schools um, requesting film. And this was back in the day when I had to go sit in his office and actually splice together VHS tapes. I remember Maryland sent me an envelope that I that was big enough to it was a VHS mailer so that I could put a VHS tape in there and send it to them as my highlight tape. All this huddle stuff and the online highlight tapes and all that, none of that existed. The the world was the recruiting world was much smaller back then. So so that's that that's that's my story of of uh, how I narrowed down my offers. My takeaway from that is that you're old, Mike. Well, that's correct. I mean, and based on my hair, you'd think I'm older than I really am. EJ, so what were your final schools, man? And what did you kind of use as criteria to narrow them down? It's probably the same thing as Mike. So it really came down between for me between UVA and UNC, simply because, I mean, I never had any dreams or aspirations to ever play in the NFL. So I wanted to go to get the best free degree that I possibly could. So it came, it boiled down to those two. So um, I can't actually came uh, down to UNC for a game. Uh, I forget who they were playing. Um, it may have been the first game of the season uh, in 2004. Uh, and when I got back, there was a, um, a, a like a picture from the, the Miami game the year before. And it was uh, signed by, all, it had little all messages from all the coaches just saying, hey, can't wait till you get here. We can't, we want you to be at Tar Heel. So once I, once I got back home and I saw that letter, I called and I, I committed to UNC immediately. So, I mean, I, I kind of ended my recruiting process before my senior football season really even started because, I mean, for one, I really didn't want the headache. I didn't want the extra distractions, but I mean, I knew that this was the place that I wanted to be. I, I just felt at home when I came here and, um, it just turned out to be the best decision of my life. So I really, and this is the only official visit I took. So I, I wasn't really interested in doing the whole uh, uh, dog and pony show, just kind of going to all these schools, seeing what they had. I mean, I knew that I felt so strongly about that decision that it was no need to go back and forth. I mean, it, it's rarely in my life that I feel as strongly and convicted as I did about that decision. And still to this day, there've only been a couple of decisions I feel that strongly about. So my, my, my recruitment really wasn't interested and it was really, Carolina for the majority of the recruiting process and like Mike said once uh coach Brown had showed up at my school one day that was the when I realized that UNC had a football team I mean I'd always followed uh UNC basketball and I knew who uh Julius Peppers was but for some reason it didn't it just didn't really connect but I mean I'm, I'm glad I made the decision I did EJ brings up a great point about not wanting to deal with the headache of recruiting. And that's kind of the boat that I was in, you know, recruiting for me. And I mean, EJ and I have had conversations about this. I think we're in the same boat. Recruiting for me was extremely stressful. Mm-hmm. I didn't like getting, you know, this is back in the early days of text messages, right? I didn't like having 20 or 30 text messages on my phone when I didn't even really know how to send a reply text at the time. I didn't like getting home from practice and coaches knowing that after 7 p.m. I'm home and my house phone is ringing and I got to talk to coaches. Um, You know, it all felt, a lot of it felt very artificial to me. I was constantly worried about, you know, do these coaches want me for me? Do they want me because they don't want me to go to some other school? Because I was hearing things from trusted people that I trusted who'd been around the recruiting process, including my high school coaches and all of that. But I also had my parents who had never experienced anything like this. Um, I was the first person in my family to go to a four-year university. Um, I was the first person in my family to graduate high school on time, to be honest with you. So it was, it was all a brand new process for my immediate family. So the people that I trusted were my coaches, uh, some older guys that I knew that had gone on to play college ball and 
there were a lot of things swimming around in my head and the process was just in a nutshell stressful and i didn't like dealing with that stress i had enough going on uh with school i was trying to maintain my grades uh you know so i i was looking for an excuse to end my recruitment early and 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 once i knew you know like ej said once i knew that i wanted to go to carolina i'd never really felt as strongly about a decision in my life. So it made it easy. I didn't have to labor over that decision. It was something that hit me. It was natural. It was obviously, I, I agree with EJ, same thing. Best decision of my life was to come to Chapel Hill. Um, I, I ended up coming here. To, I got two degrees from this place now. So, you know, I mean, I loved it. I knew I was making the right decision, which made it much easier to go ahead and pull the trigger to cancel all my other visits. But yeah, I mean, I, I didn't want to deal with the process. It was all, for me, it was overwhelming. It was, it was a little too much. And, and I wasn't even a guy like Brandon Spikes who had 40 something offers. I mean, I'm looking at about 20. And for me, it was just, it, it was a nightmare. So I can't imagine what it was like for guys that were actually good at football who had a lot of offers like they did. So you guys have brought up several points that I want to get to. The first one is this, you both have mentioned, you know, coaches traveling to your schools. When you guys were being recruited by colleges was it a situation where you kind of did the traditional, you meet like the position coach or the area coach, and then you gradually work your way up to meet the head coach? And if so, you know, how much weight did you really put on meeting the head coach of, of the various teams? So for me, uh, it was always, I dealt with coach Browning through pretty much my whole UNC career from recruiting until the point where I graduated, he was always someone that was close to me, of course, because he recruited me. So uh, it started out uh, with the visit uh, from Coach Browning. Coach Browning came and sat in my home, and uh, Coach, but Coach Bunning one day, he actually did come uh, visit me uh, at my high school. So it, it was kind of a progression, even though during the process, the only two coaches I did meet were Coach Browning and uh, and Coach Bunning. So um, I don't really know how it, how it works now, uh, but – I just thought I thought it was kind of cool just having a coach walk around school with you all day. I mean, you kind of feel like the big man on campus because it's like like these people want to see him want him there so bad that I actually come take time out of their day, drive up from North Carolina to spend the day with them. So, yeah, for me, it was only those two coaches, but I felt like anything more probably would have been overkill for me. Yeah. So like like EJ said, it started for me. It was usually a position coach or your recruiting coach. Um, and then you would graduate, you know, to the head coach once they I guess once they determined they had real interest. Uh, my recruiting coach was Dave Brock and uh, Coach Brock was the first one to make contact with me. And then they brought Hal Hunter down, who was the uh, uh, offensive line coach at the time, because, again, they figured that I'd end up on the offensive line. So that's really how they recruited me. Uh, primarily, but uh, John Gudekinst, who was the tight end coach, John Gudekinst also came down, uh, one of EJ's former position coaches. Um, he came down, he visited because they knew that I really wanted to play tight end. And, um, you know, they, 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 they put on the show. But the coolest thing for me was when, you know, Coach Bunning, and this is, I'm speaking just for Carolina, but, you know, most schools, if not all of them, did this. Uh, Bobby Johnson was the head coach at Vanderbilt at the time. Vanderbilt actually recruited me the hardest out of every school, and I almost committed there uh, until my dad pulled the phone out of my hand and said, why don't you just wait? Carolina had been stringing me along and actually didn't offer me till November of my senior year. Um, I thought the offer was going to come sometime in July. It didn't. So I was a little pissed at Carolina to spite them because I'm Irish and that's what we do. I was going to commit to Vanderbilt, which was my number two choice. Um, But I held off and obviously ended up at Carolina. But from Carolina's perspective, what Coach Bunning did, and a lot of head coaches did this, is they would come to basketball games in the wintertime. And it was always really cool to me, like EJ said, having the coaches walk around school with you and all that. It was really cool to have 
uh, schools that were recruiting you show up at your other sports. So like at my basketball game, there'd be all these people. And then there'd be this, this older man decked out in all UNC football gear. And everybody kind of knew that he was there watching the kid that's being recruited to Carolina. And he came, I remember he came to Concord high school. It was an away game. Uh, he came there, came to a home game for us at Butler. Um, and several, several coaches did that. And I thought that was really cool. The, the other cool thing was getting pulled out of class. Football coach would come along and say, we've got so-and-so here. Can you, you know, can you meet me outside? He'd walk outside and it would be, you know, some school and you didn't know what, who the school was going to be, but it was, it was cool to stand there and in, in the hallways of your high school and be seen talking to some college recruiter. And, you know, yeah, it made you feel like big man on campus. And, and I remember that was a very, uh, that was, that was the nicest part of recruiting for me um, was just the, the little bit of ego boost that you got from that. It was, it, it was nice to, to feel like you were good at something and somebody wanted you to, to, to bring your, whatever talent they thought you had, bring that to their to their little town or their campus that was that was pretty cool and it was cool to be seen getting that interest all right let me ask you guys the next question here when you were going through the recruitments who were the people that were kind of in your inner circle that you really you know kind of went over the the decisions with and turned to when you guys were ultimately making the call which of which school to go to ej start with you for this one man so for me, my inner circle was very small. I really consisted of uh, my high school basketball coach. Uh, he coached me since a, a freshman, um, and uh, he'd been knowing me since I was a little kid. I actually played uh, for his little league football team, and then my parents. I mean, the play, the t- the town that I was from, uh, and kind of still to this day, there's not a lot of people around that I could trust and really confide in. So those are the uh, people who I really who really helped me make my make my decision. I mean, like I said, it really wasn't a hard one. My parents. They were Carolina from day one. My high school coach, he didn't care where I went as long as it was somewhere where, somewhere where I could develop as a player and as a man. So, I mean, I really didn't have any pressure on me, swaying me either way, uh, except for maybe my teachers who wanted me to go to UVA and Virginia Tech. But I didn't really care what they thought anyway. So it was it was a pretty easy, pressure-free decision for me. All right, Mike, what about you, man? Yeah, I mean, I, I mine was similar. It was my, my basketball coach, my football coach, and my parents. And I mean, I didn't because it's just I didn't know who else to really who else to really turn to and, and and talk to about this stuff because I didn't you know, I didn't run in a very big circle when I was in high school in terms of friend groups. And and anybody that I knew was off to college already. And most of my friends were older, honestly, and uh, they were all off to college, had their own problems. I didn't really have a whole lot of people to talk about. But but, you know, the, the, the group that I had was 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 good. I mean, I was advised I was advised properly. Um and that's 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 kind of who I leaned on. So I mean, it wasn't really anybody else in the recruiting process. There weren't really other players that I talked to, which is a very common theme now. You know, players are through Twitter and Facebook and things like that. They can they can get in touch with each other and they can they can talk to each other. Facebook didn't come out until I guess fall two thousand five. Uh, maybe it was maybe, maybe it was earlier. Um, you know, in the spring of two thousand five. But you know, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have Facebook. Nobody else in high school had it back then. You had to have a college email to have an account. So uh, I, I didn't have an easy way to communicate with other players in the area unless I saw them on Friday night or at a basketball game. So, so yeah, that's, 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 that's who I leaned on. And, 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 you know, I was, I was Carolina pretty heavily through the recruiting process. So when they, when they, when they finally offered me, I was, I was excited about it. The decision was, was relatively easy. I just, you know, my, I was encouraged to go somewhere that, you know, had a, had a, had a really solid degree and, you know, that I saw myself going to Danny Pierman actually gave me the, 
the best advice I got from anybody. Danny Pierman was a tight ends and tackles coach at Virginia Tech at the time. He coached D-line my freshman year at Carolina, small world. And he's from Mint Hill. He, uh, he went to Independence High School. Um, but Danny, when I went on my uh, unofficial visit to Virginia Tech, he told me, he says, you know, go where if football were to end, go where you can see yourself being a student for four years and not having football, walking to class every day with a backpack on and being a regular kid. And for me, that place was Carolina. So, you know, I, I got good advice, but I only I only relied on about, you know, four, maybe five people making my decision. So you brought up technology, and I think EJ did a little bit earlier as well. Let's close the, the podcast with this. How was the process like to actually get your names out there? Because I actually went back and checked, and 247 Sports had EJ Wilson as a two-star, uh, looks like outside linebacker, 6'3", 230. And then they have a Mr. Michael Ingersoll as a tight end, 6'5", 265, and Mike was a three-star. So, you know, sites like 247 were around back then, but the social media just was not. So how'd you guys tackle that? Like, if you wanted to get your film out there, what was the process like? Yeah, I think those ratings are a little lopsided. I think they were. I think they probably should have been reversed based on based on overall talent level. I don't know. Maybe <laughs> maybe it was a maybe it was a result of me being in a bigger market. EJ from Emporia, Virginia. Him and the other twelve people that lived there. Yeah, it was that, that, at the time, Mike. Oh, we... <laughs> sorry, three of them died from from heart, from heart attacks actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, which if you can hear, which if you can hear EJ breathing, you'll you'll know why I'm making that joke. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, two thirty, huh? Wow, that's that was a long time ago, wasn't it, EJ? Anyway, so <laughs> so I mean, the the process for me, I mean, I alluded to it earlier. Um, you know, like Maryland sent me a, a bubble a bubble envelope to to send them back a a VHS tape. You know, DVDs were were coming in. I mean, they were. They're relatively new at the time and, and burning one with, you know, making your own DVD was kind of a new, new technology. But I remember my, I remember coach Newsom in his, in the coach's office had a DVD burner and a VHS splicer. And that's what we would do. I would sit at his computer for hours and I would pick which clips I wanted and I'd cut them on the software, which moved incredibly slow, by the way, it wasn't like iMovie. And then I'd drag them and I'd put them in and we'd actually make a VHS tape or we'd make a DVD and we'd physically mail that out. And I had to sit there and make a list of schools I wanted to mail stuff to because there was no huddle. This, this new huddle program that's been around now uh, for probably, I guess it's seven or eight years at this point, maybe a little bit longer was, I mean, that's, that's brilliant technology for these kids getting recruited. I mean, it makes the recruiting world so much bigger. The world is much rounder. Um, and it's, 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 it's bigger in terms of opportunities. It's smaller in terms of getting from one place to another. I didn't know that Oregon had a school. I didn't know that there were other schools in California besides Southern Cal. I didn't know about Texas. I didn't know about Missouri. I didn't know about Arizona. I didn't know about any of this stuff. Um, so I didn't I didn't know about Florida schools outside of Miami. So I didn't I didn't really send my film anywhere that wasn't regional. Um, you know, my all my schools were ACC and SEC schools for the most part, a couple of Big Tens because of the Michigan connection. And that was about it. And I physically mailed stuff to them. Um, I had to field, you know, you had to field phone calls. There weren't emails. There weren't tweets. There weren't Facebook messages. You know, things were slower and it was much more compact and, and travel was different, too. Um, you know, it was coaches, 
from the West Coast weren't really coming out east unless you were a five star. Again, I talked about Brandon Spikes earlier, but even like you know Deontay Williams was was highly sought after. You know, Hakeem Nicks guys would come and see them from all over the country. But unless you were one of those big name guys that got exposure at some camp, right, or you had a a coach like Tommy Knotts at Independence who went on to Duke, who then had a college connection and that inside track with the ACC coaches, it was hard to get your name out there if you were you know a two or three star recruit um much harder than it is now you know you self-promotion wasn't really that easy for us all we had were camps and game film and hoping that the word got out so you know my recruitment was a word of mouth thing that's how I got that's how I got noticed and physically mailing out tapes instead of sending hyperlinks to highlight tapes on the internet all right DJ let's hear your story man I pretty much am from the land before time. So any technology that was available in from 2002 to 2005, I just imagine where I was from being 10 years behind that. So you were a sharp tooth, weren't you? Exactly. So you're still, you're still a sharp tooth. You're not, you're not a leaf eater. <laughs> so, <laughs> Excellent reference. Tree stars. You were so, two stars, but you like tree stars. Exactly. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so um, my coach had to drive to Petersburg to Virginia State uh, University to make my uh, highlight tape. Uh, and once again, you notice I haven't mentioned anything about my my football coach because none of my football coaches helped me out any in the process. So my basketball coach actually took the film that we did have. I probably only had about four games worth of film uh, from my junior year because our school was so poor that we actually recorded over the game tapes. So there was literally one or two game tapes from a whole season. So he, he took and he made the tape himself and he just he even either hand delivered it to colleges while he was there or he mailed it off. So, and the only exposure I really got to any recruiting websites or anything like that was after I'd already committed to Carolina. That's when I started noticing the rankings. That's when I started noticing places like uh two, four, seven and rivals calling and try to do interviews or do videos or in stories and stuff like that. So really um, my recruiting didn't really open up until I'd already committed. And like I mentioned, there was really no change in my mind at that point. And you're not, and you're not, in, I mean, you're you're certainly in the majority with that, EJ. When you know, after I committed, I got um, I got four or five more offers after I committed, and it was like now people noticed you know who I was. Once a commitment comes across the, you know, it's like the waiver wire, right? Like once a commitment comes across the commit wire, now all of a sudden you have that name, and that's that was the theme in recruiting for us. You know, coming up was if you had. You, you know, you could get small schools, your, you know, your app states back then were FCS or one AA and you had your Eastern Kentuckys and all that. But once you got an ACC or an SEC school, once you got that first one, that first big division one program, well, then all the others started following. That's kind of the way your recruitment had to happen. You had to get one of the big dogs to bite first and then stuff would build. But even then it could be slow until you committed. And usually, you know, it's, it's still this way, but back then really, I mean, a commitment was the way if you were savvy with how to do this, right. You know, high school, some high school kids are very savvy. Um, you know, you commit to draw more attention to yourself and by virtue of your commitment, you'll end up getting more offers and, and your commitment will, or your recruitment will sort of blow up. So, you know, EJ's certainly on point with, with, with that. That's, that was my experience. And I'm sure the experience of a lot of guys in the, in, in that, you know, four or five year window there around our class. All right. Actually last one. 
what was either the craziest thing that a coach said to you during your recruitment or the craziest thing that you saw on a visit? You can pick either question that you want to answer. Uh, oh, my Mike's, God. Yeah, Mike, start with you, man. Oh, my God. Um, the, the craziest thing. Um, now, during the recruitment, so this had to be while you were still in high school, so either what a coach said to you or what you saw while you were on a campus. Um, yeah, well, we're not going to talk about what I saw when I was on a campus. That's just, that's, we're, not gonna, we're, not gonna, we're not talking about that. So the, right. what was said to me over the phone, just, just, just know that a lot of these movies you see are slightly exaggerated, the operative word being you know, slightly, but what coaches said to me, um, I guess there's, there's two experiences I had. They're not, they're not all that bad. Illinois, uh, offered me and recruited me a little bit, but you know, they called me, they continued to recruit me after this phone call, but, but I think I made it clear. I was already committed to Carolina and I made it known that when I, once I committed to all schools that recruited me, once I pick one, I don't know who it's going to be yet, but once I pick one, that's going to be it. Well, then I, I picked Carolina, I committed and as far as I was concerned, my recruitment at that point was shut down. I was done. And uh, Illinois offered me actually after the Shrine Bowl. They called me up. They, need, you know, they needed a tight end. And I told them, you know, thanks. I appreciate it. But, you know, I'm, I'm committed to Carolina. That's a hard commitment. That's, that's not it. And the guy kind of yelled at me a little bit. <laughs> he got mad. He got real upset. And he was like, well, you don't even want to take a visit? I mean, you don't want to. I mean, what? We can't even call you anymore? I'm like, no, you can call me all you want. If you convince me to come up to Champaign, Illinois, then you know, I'll come up to Champaign, Illinois, but I'm telling you right now that I'm committed to Carolina. And he, I mean, he got pretty indignant on the phone. It was, was kind of a dickhead. And, and that turned me off pretty quickly at Illinois. Um, and I didn't really understand why he felt the need to, to, you know, why he was so stressed out about this. I, I don't know how long he may have kept that job, but maybe that has something to do with it. The other thing was uh, Warren Beelan was my primary recruiter from uh, Vanderbilt. Warren, uh, was at Vanderbilt. He then took the linebackers job with – he was a linebackers coach at Vandy. He took the linebacker coaching job with the Panthers recently. Uh, he went back to Vanderbilt, and I believe he is with Everett Withers at JMU. Ed is still the coach at JMU, correct? No, he's at like Texas State, Texas Southern, something like that. Oh, he's at Texas State. That's right. Okay. Beelan is now, the, I believe, the linebackers coach, maybe the D coordinator at – JMU and me and him, I, I didn't have a better relationship with anyone during the recruiting process than I have with Warren Beelan. His brother was actually the D line coach at Virginia, who was my recruiter along with uh, with Mike Grow, who's Al Grow's son. Warren Beelan's brother and Mike Grow were my recruiters from Virginia, so there was a little bit of brotherly rivalry going on there, which was which was kind of funny because I'd get him on the three of us would get on a conference call and they would both recruit me at the same time, kind of as like a you know playful thing, but it was. I always found that kind of interesting, but Warren Beelan and I had the best relationship and he's the reason I almost committed to Vanderbilt. And I remember when I told him that I, that I was committing to Carolina, it, the best decision I ever made was coming, was committing to Carolina. The hardest decision emotionally was not committing to Vanderbilt and telling them that I was going to commit to Carolina. And when I, when I made that phone call, that was one of the hardest phone calls I've ever made in my life. And I remember coach Beelan, cause we'd gotten very close. I mean, he was like, I mean, almost family at that point, really. I mean, it really was, it was, it was, it was a special relationship we had. Um, I remember he, you know, he got choked up and he, he coughed out a couple of tears on that phone call. And, um, and that was, that was tough. And that was, that was one of the, that was the craziest experience I had. Um, crazy in that it was extremely emotional and, and, and I didn't realize the connection I'd made with him until I had to tell him that I wasn't going to commit to, to that school. And, and explain to him that it wasn't his fault and 
it was just a gut feeling I had about UNC and how hard that was for me emotionally. Um, you know, I was choked up and everything. So that was, you know, between Illinois being kind of crazy off the rails, guy was a dickhead to, you know, telling somebody that, you know, was as close to me as family that I wasn't going to come to that school. Um, that was the range of, of my recruitment. All right, DJ, same thing, man. You can chicken out if you want to, like Mike did, and not talk about what you saw on campus. Um, but if you got a, a good story to tell, let us hear it. The Sigma Chi fraternity does not want me to tell that story. <laughs> <laughs> For my recruiting was pretty much uneventful. I don't have a, a story as good as that. Like I, the only person I really developed a relationship with during recruiting was Coach Browning. Craziest things I, yeah, I plead the fifth. I don't, I don't uh-huh. think legally I can talk about some of the stuff. All right. Well, so is it is it fair to say then that as a recruit on a college campus, people's imaginations may not be too far from reality? Think Blue yeah. Mountain State. <laughs> Blue Mountain State. I mean, it's yeah, it's not too far afield from reality. I will tell. I will tell you that. All right. I'll tell you. Just it. like ballers, just like ballers, and EJ yeah. will attest to this, especially down in Florida. Ballers isn't too far afield. At least, at least the first season isn't too far afield of what that lifestyle is like either. Gotcha. All right, you guys, but we'll end it there. I appreciate you jumping on here again. And for all the listeners, we will talk with you guys again soon. Thanks, John. Thanks for listening to InsideCarolina.com, the independent voice of UNC sports, your home for Tar Heel football, basketball, and recruiting. Some brands offer you low finance or cash back or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and 1,000 euro cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie. Some brands offer you low finance or cashback or servicing. Renault don't do ors. We do ands. The Renault Kajar with 1.91% APR and 1,000 euro cashback and three years servicing, saving you thousands. Renault, the brand with the ands. Visit your local Renault dealer. Finances made under a higher purchase agreement. Terms and conditions apply. Deposit required. Subject to lending criteria. See Renault.ie.